all in your mind. 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 Hey everybody, it's another episode of All In Your Mind, where we feature interviews with some of the actors that you've come to know by voice, but perhaps haven't always been able to connect the name to that voice. So first, let me just say I'm Rick Rowan, and as usual, my uh, co-conspirator in this episode is... Dwayne Beeman. Uh, I have another co-host. Ken Jackson. Action Jackson. <laughs> and see if... Uh, I'm going to play something here. Let's see if you've heard this voice before. Yeah, I've run with guys like that. They make lousy war fighters. A Saudi prince once tried to get me to carry his rucksack. I laughed at him. Rank and privilege might fly at the Marine Corps ball, but on an op, how good you are is all there is. Sarah, please. I fought so hard to get back to you. I can't lose you again. Damn. Fury won't be happy. I'm heading back to the Windmill Ranch. I know it must be a mess all over. Sincerely yours, Sarge. Good day to you, sir. My companion and I have acquired quite a thirst on the long sojourn that has brought us to your establishment. Are you looking around you, girl? There are maybe ten living mutants on this continent, and we are all about to be killed by sentinels. Having Magneto on our side is not the oddest thing you will see tonight, if we live to see the rest of tonight. And that is the one and only Nick, Nick DePinto. DePinto. Hello. Hey. <laughs> uh, just a little smattering, little sample, little taste of uh, a variety of roles that Nick has played for us. What you heard the the, the very first piece was the both sides of James, the character of James Schweitzer from the Reawakening trilogy. The, the, the living and the dead. Right, and there's, there's still one more to come. So we're not done yet. Not, uh, not more, done being dead yet. More dead to come. <laughs> more dead to come, right. I think that followed that was a little bit of Quicksilver. Yeah, Quicksilver uh, was in there. And then we had a little bit of Sarge from the, the Burns Family Ranch series, mm -hmm. who was apparently been in nine or so episodes yeah, of that. He's yeah. probably your most recurring character, He probably I would is, say. yeah, yeah. Another thing about um, And then we had... Uh, a uh, character near and dear to my heart, Eloisius Grog, who was in uh, Deathlands 127 and 128, Gaius Promise and Bad Blood, a really cool character. And then we finished up with Colossus yeah. uh, from X-Men Days of Future Past. That's where I get all my street cred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all my nerd cred. I, I, was talking, I was talking to Ken about this, that, that you're kind of like the Ron Perlman uh, of uh, graphic <laughs> audio. Because there's always the temptation to tweak your voice and do, like, oh. instead, of a, instead of latex, we, we pitch shift you <laughs> or we'll, we'll make you uh, an undead. Or, latex uh, voice. But you're a, well, you know, it's just—it's one of those things. It's not anything that you can, as an actor, you, you, you place your voice wherever you place your voice. Yeah, right. And you're a good actor, uh, or you're a great actor, and let's go. Your with voice, great. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, but I'm just, no, I'm just saying though. You know, regardless of how good an actor is, it's, it's, it, it doesn't matter how good the actor is. Um, it doesn't impact on whether or not they're voice pitches well. It's like some really good actors that we work with, their yeah, voices just don't pitch well. 
and, and yeah. it, it, it's the quality. It's where they place their voice. It just it, so it it just turns out, Nick, that your voice pitches well. Yeah. it's got a clarity. It's got bottom to it. It, that that, yeah. that it kicks yeah. in. Well, when that's, you, that's yeah. part of why you guys put me in this Colossus, right? You, we knew that the voice would sort of get that sort of lower quality that that would make him sound bigger. And, exactly, and right. I knew, and I knew you could handle the accent, yeah, the, the yeah. keeping him Russian. Before uh, before uh, Nick's phone uh, uh, closes me out, <laughs> let me read his bio here. <laughs> Uh, Which I carry is, around on my phone because exactly. I'm an well, egomaniac. This is from your latest uh, project. Yeah, this is from the latest Because he's a working actor. What is the, uh, you're in... Um, the latest play I'm in right now is part of uh, Capital Fringe Festival here in Washington, D.C. Capital Fringe Festival's uh, Festival of New Plays. And it's a play called Clara Bow. Becoming It, the story of Clara Bow. And it's about the silent film star, Clara Bow. Mm. And that's a good segue into his it bio. Yeah. Well, here, here, let's read from the bio really okay. quick before right. it goes away on me. Uh, Nick DePinto has it because he's engaged in theater making with live art. He's engaged in theater making hyphen with Live Art DC, Shakespeare Theater Company, Washington Stage Guild, Sheer Madness at the Kennedy Center, Constellation Theater, Only Theater, Annapolis Shakespeare Company, Hub Theater, Ford's Theater, and many more. He's about all of them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> right. I make the rounds. He's got theater at the end of it. He's kind of a theater there. slut. I he, he, uh, we'll get into how you've traveled the country in many ways, both mm. recently and in the past. But he's the welcoming face of the Customs and Border Protection video that welcomes all international travelers back into the country. Nice. And he does voiceover work for a variety of cowboys, aliens, and superheroes at Graphic Audio, where he's the voice of Marvel's X-Men Colossus, as mm. we just mentioned. He's one half of A Rustic Rock. Riot, an all-original comedy rock band, I, I saw some of your videos today, and the lead singer-songwriter of the Dusty Stars, the world's greatest power folk band. Mm. <laughs> Nick likes dark chocolate, and if you see him around Fringe, tell him why you have it. That's, that's a very uh, uh, show-centric uh, uh, bio to put like on the it. program. It's good. Oh, it's cool. Fringe the... Um... The Fringe Festival. Fringe okay, Festival. Fringe Festival. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of actors that... It's, it's, uh, what are they on their sixth year or something like no, that? No, it's oh, like no. the 10th. Oh, is it really that long? Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's an it's uh, an annual thing every summer. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. I think a lot of the talent that works here with Graphic Audio has, in the past at some point, gone through Fringe. I mean, this is, you guys have a good staple stable here of, uh, of DC actors. Oh, yeah. DC and Baltimore area. Yeah. 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 So one of your earlier bios that I was reading from mentioned that you have two cats. And I thought that it's always very telling uh, about a person to, to know what they name their pets. Okay. <laughs> Do you still have two cats? Well, we, we, we have one. One of them oh. passed away. But, oh, uh, I'm but, sorry. But the two See, cats, I'm here I bring up a story. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know. Dang, Rick. That's it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Put my foot in. Rubbing salt in it. No, I, I know it. Okay, so so the one cat, though, was uh, my my wife, when she was still my girlfriend, she she rescued this cat. Oh, okay. cat. And the other cat I rescued off of the streets of Detroit. Detroit. Detroit, when I wasn't living in Detroit. And uh, and that cat was a small black and white tuxedo type cat. Very willful. Uh -huh. And she loved me. She sort of fixated on, you know, you're cool. But <laughs> most other people, she just wanted to destroy. <laughs> and I had, she was a little kitten and I was not a cat person. Right. So much as I was a guy mm. with a cat. And there's right. a there's a big oh, there's yeah. kind of a world of difference there. You so were roommates. Yeah, we were day. roommates. You know, we <laughs> and I didn't really know what to do with this cat. I sort of like had this thing, and and um, I happened to go out and see Killed Bill, Volume One. Okay. And there's a there's a moment in that movie where we encounter a young schoolgirl clad assassin, schoolgirl uniform oh, yeah. clad assassin yeah, 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 named yeah. Gogo. 
and the name and, and they, they label Gogo as what she she's young and what she made up for what she lacked in years she made up for in madness. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, and I had this like little kitty. It was yeah. like that, and That's I thought, perfect. I'm gonna name the cat Gogo. -Go. And I went and went back to my apartment. And I said, I think your name is Gogo. -Go. And she went, meow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's a done deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's great. That is I knew there'd be a good story behind that. <laughs> and, and the other cat's name, who is still with us, Gogo -Go Password, but the other cat that's still with us, her name is Violet. And Violet, my wife named her because my wife was reading uh, the series of unfortunate events, the Lemony Snicket oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. novels. And uh, there's three Baudelaire orphans. And she had already rescued a cat. My wife's a cat fiend. She uh. loves cats. She rescued a cat, got it cleaned up, and got it adopted. And, it, and she named it Klaus. And so the next cat she got, she named it Violet. And then mm -hmm. she kept Violet. She ended up keeping Violet. Yeah. So that's how Violet got her name. She's named after one of the Baudelaire orphans from the okay. series of unfortunate events. Nice. That's Good. cool. Okay. Let me read off some other roles that, that Nick has played for us. Besides James Schweitzer, who we'll talk about and, and explain who that is and how he can be both dead and alive, um, <laughs> we mentioned Sarge, mm -hmm. who hails from Boston, uh, at least in our version of it. Yeah. Uh, in the Marvel Universe, uh, Nick has been, a, besides Colossus, he's been Quicksilver, which we heard a little bit of. Uh, in the Ultimates and New Avengers Breakout, he also played Sauron in the New Avengers Breakout, the yeah. the the, yeah. the dinosaur uh, yeah. villain, basically. In Civil War, he was Wiccan and Jester. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Aloysius Grog from Deathlands. The first thing I think this is the first thing I remember us doing together was Batman No Man's Land. Yeah. He played yeah. Lieutenant Hugh Foley. I had to go back and remember what the character's name was because. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely a, a conflicted individual, um, but that was fun. Nick is also a recurring role in the World of the Lupi series. You're Reuben Brooks, the former oh, head yeah, of yeah. Unit 12, which is sort of their version of the X-Files, kind of. Yeah, uh, that's a cool character, too. Rose reminded me that you played Kavat in Demon Cycle. Yeah. Uh, and in the Lightbringer saga, which I really like and is one of my favorites, Ben Haddad mm -hmm. and Orholam the Galley Slave, not Orholam the God. That's <laughs> 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 a world of difference there, isn't there? <laughs> God or slave? <laughs> Don't you feel like both every day? Just walk in the world. Uh, but besides graphic audio work, Nick has done a, a ton of roles. We didn't. Your bio doesn't really go through too much of who you've played. Uh, in various productions, uh, I, like I, this other you bio, for I've got, audio or, in general? or just in general in, in theater, we, we um, like to look into the theatrical background and film background. And I, I want to talk about the thing you just finished with Dave Coyne, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, and DC Dogs, but which seemed to me, based on what I um, what I was reading up on you today, really quick, you had you started out doing a lot of tours, a lot of national yeah. tours. Oh yeah, you covered all. 48? Uh, Just about. Yeah. I, you know, like 45 or something of, lower, of the lower 48 states I've been through on tour. And you wow. did like five or six of those? I or? did four tours with a company called uh, Ch Chamber Theater, which is out of Boston. Okay. And then two And you got tours. that out of New York. You moved to New York and yes. then you got the a touring gig right away and you yeah. were out of town. <laughs> yeah. Same thing happened to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be before I even had an apartment, I didn't even have a permanent New York address. Like I was crashing with friends and couch right. surfing and subleasing. As actors and, do. Yeah. You know, before I was really established. And then I happened to nail this one audition and they said, oh, we, we need you like in two days, like up in Boston. And uh, went up there, and then yeah, I did. Uh, I was an understudy for them, mm. and 
the first night this is like one of those theater stories yeah. that you hear oh, good. about the first night of the of the tour was in Boston it was at the John Hancock Center and one of the actors um, didn't govern himself well the night before okay. and so he wasn't really in good shape to do the oh. show but he, he went on and did the show and he, he took a little bit of a tumble he rolled off this this uh, fake rock oddly and he sort of like uh, hit the ground weird and he kind of hurt his hip um and to this day, it's actually very kind of speculative about what happened because he had no bruise. They took him to the hospital. The doctor said there was nothing wrong with him, but he was in pain. So whatever was mm. going on. But mm. yeah, so whatever was going on. <laughs> but the, the, uh, the powers that be at the home office said, well, put Nick on. He's, that's his job. He's the understudy. Put him on until so-and-so is better. And so out of a 13-week tour, I went on 11 weeks for this guy. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you are no longer the understudy. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the whole time he was he was he was there. Like they kept thinking like he's gonna go that on. He would go, go back on. in. And he just yeah, it's a long story. But basically I, I just kept going on. And uh that particular company at that time had a weird sort of glass ceiling. They didn't like their understudies to become full actors. They had this sort of weird thing about that. But at the end of that tour I got a call from the home office and they said, They want to know if you want to come back for the next tour as a full-fledged actor. They, they made go. that overture to me, and I said, yes, I would totally love to do well, that. Well, I'd say you'd proven yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at that point, I really had. Kind of yeah. like, I'm leaving this tour as a full-fledged actor. I don't know what, what you guys are thinking. But yeah, I did four tours with him, um, which was a great way as a young, I mean, I was 20, between like 21 and 24 or so, 25 at the time. And so I, I traveled it's All across the U.S. Classic bus and truck type. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, and uh, in, in our case it was like van and truck, but right, yeah, right. you know, because we were a smaller operation. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's how I got to Seattle for the first time. I, I'm from Ohio, and so yeah. moving to New York City was a big enough jump, jump right? Right? Yeah, right. And then to go up to Boston, sort of on a on this job offer, and then to just start traveling all through the the South and traveling all, you know, explore through Texas and and the Plain States and then get over to California and just all over the place on these mm. tours. And the whole time I was doing what I loved and yeah. being paid to do it. Yeah. Right. And so I really got to see a lot of this stuff. I get That's where I first started busking as a street musician, yeah. you know, right. playing guitar and singing on the street. Uh, and just saw a lot of the country and and uh, so you do that on during the day or in between or on down nights or, yeah or if I, nights? when I could I, I uh, you know we were pretty busy but I remember you know I we could make a short film out of this one night in Chicago that I had <laughs> busking where, where I almost got an, my own contract at this bar and got run off by the police wow. and <laughs> some folks gave me food and this I helped a little old couple celebrate their <laughs> anniversary all in one night it was wow. this amazing crazy night in Chicago yeah when I was, uh, <laughs> that's the name of the film right that's there. Great. yeah it's short yeah it's that amazing gotta, crazy gotta, night in Chicago yeah. Yeah. Got time right. it seems like you, you should knuckle down and get a screenplay out of that <laughs> that's pretty awesome that's, well what was the name of the play so Chamber did these plays where they would take uh, short stories, the type of short stories <coughs> that would be in like a high school or uh, middle school English curriculum. So and they would educational them. type Educational of shorts, gotcha. like stuff by Mark Twain, like the okay. celebrated jumping frog of Calaveras County. Right, gotcha. Uh, okay. O. Henry's so short stories. Dramatized yeah. literature, yeah. And they would put together a package of five or six of these things, and they would they would have the actors come in and do it. And we would load in in the morning at like 7 a.m. Okay. And uh, and it was usually for sort of school kids or, or a public that was a school-age public, high school or middle school. And they would come in by 10. 
and we would do the show and right. we'd be out of there by like one and on to the next city. Wow. I, I got my um, equity card. Um, TYA. Uh, TYA Theater for yeah. Young Audiences. And my first couple of tours were with Theater Works USA. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved to New York and then <laughs> went out. <laughs> yeah. Theater Works is a real good operation. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a, a lot of actors. They, you know, you have to, if you have a New York address, or in your case, you didn't even really have a New York address, <laughs> but that adds a certain cred to to your seriousness as an actor, or at least it used to back in the day. Yeah. That, that yeah. You needed to have a New York uh, residence right. or address to go out of New York, right. to leave, to leave yeah. New York, yeah. to, it's, to do regional and, and right. touring. I have a friend who got his cell phone with the New York area code, and then when he moved back down here, he kept, he kept that it. because he was still sort of keeping the illusion for any agents or anybody who right. would call that he was in New York. Yeah. And so if they would call him and offer him an audition, he would get on the train and, get and out go there. up. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that got old really yeah, quickly. Yeah. But he tried it for a while. Yes. <laughs> so now that uh, it's interesting that you had that kind of Turing experience because recently uh, you just completed shooting on a film that the whole point of it was a road trip, right? Yes, yes. Uh, this is uh, something that... Uh, That's with Dave Coyne. With Dave Coyne, yeah. whom graphic audience, uh, graphic audio audiences uh, no, should be well, very familiar yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, this, this is called uh, Meant to be Broken, right? Yeah. Produced by DC Dogs, which mm -hmm. is a, a local film production company. Yes, talk, talk a little bit about that. Meant to be Broken is a really cool story. Um, so it centers around a guy named Harvey that Dave plays. Right. And Harvey sort of finds out um, that, and this is all in our sort of uh, uh, trailer. You can go to meanttobebroken.com and see a sort of trailer for the film. Uh, the trailer's of, great. It, it is, isn't it? It really you know? sells. It was like, yeah. this This looks good. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. thinking, when I saw the trailer, because we, we sort of shot, that's sort of, sort of a pre-trailer. We sort of right. did a bunch of test shooting to make sure things were going to work out. Because you were getting out. funding that way, too. Yeah, that's how we got funding. And that's also how we made certain that the actors wouldn't kill each other and that the cameras all worked <laughs> on the cars. And, you know, so we shot... It was a over, test run. Yeah, it was a total test run. It was our Hudson River Valley start. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, uh, we did it in, in February of this year. And... Uh, but when I saw the trailer, I thought, wow, yeah, if we can just pull off something equivalent to that for about 90 minutes, we really will have something. Yeah. So hopefully we will. But um, the main reason I, I wanted to do it was because of Dave. So I like Dave a lot. I, re I respect Dave a lot. I love his, his intellect. Uh, the listeners know Dave's voice talent, but mm. um, you guys probably know Dave is, Dave is a tremendous mind. And, and in general, mm. spirit, a great guy. Yeah. But he's just a wonderful guy to talk to and super witty. And just a fun guy to be around. So I've I've long been an admirer. Yeah. And when he he left this area and moved out to the West Coast, you know I missed him. Yeah. So uh, the director approached me and said, Hey, I've got this movie, and uh, you know Dave Coyne's going to be in it, and there's a part in it we think you'd be right for. And I said, Oh, okay, you know, tell me a bit about it. And they basically started to say, Well, you guys would be driving down the East Coast. And I said, Wait. So this is Dave Coyne and me in a car, just driving along the East Coast, just doing a movie together. And they said, Yeah. I said, I I'm in. Yeah. You know, basically, <laughs> I'm in. the chance to do that was just too, too, too ridiculously fun to pass up. Right. So yeah, but it's, but it's, it's, a, it's got a lot of heart. Um, the character that Dave plays, uh, and it's, this is in the trailer. He finds out that he's got just maybe a, less than a month to live. Mm. Okay. And the character that he plays is a real straight-laced guy. He's a fact checker at a law firm. Mm. Never broken a rule in his life. <laughs> and the same day he finds this out, he decides to take a slight risk and he goes into a bar he's never been in before and he runs into a guy named Luke who is the opposite of Harvey. Luke is the ultimate 
lawbreaker, rule breaker. He's never met a rule he doesn't love to break. And they sort of hit it off. Mm. And they decide to go on this road trip down the East Coast back to this amusement park down in Florida that uh, Harvey wants to visit one more time. And along the way, they sort of accidentally kidnap <laughs> this young woman. <laughs> and, and the three of them, she turns out to be a con artist in her own right. Right, so the trailers are, imply she's willing to go. Oh, she's absolutely <laughs> willing to go. It's sort of an accident, but then she sort of blackmails them into going along because she wants to have the adventure. And so the three of them go on this adventure down down the East Coast. Uh, and it's it's funny and it's heartwarming and Hopefully, it'll be coming out next year. Now, did you guys improv a lot of the script, or were you working from a tight script? It or? was a pretty tight script. When you're, when you're working with Dave, there's always an element of improv. Oh, he's, yeah. He's yeah. really gifted that way. And Dave was also, Dave and the director had a really tight relationship. They've been working for years. Absolutely. They were yeah. roommates, I think, at one yeah. point. And so uh, Dave was brought in not only as an actor, but as sort of an artistic collaborator. So early on in uh, like early in the journey, I mean, we literally shot this on the road. This isn't green screened. We drove from Amherst, Massachusetts, down to Miami, Florida, mm. and we just shot in all these different cities along the way. Uh, but when we were still up in Amherst, Dave would get out. Dave and I would get out the script, and he would pull up his script on his laptop, and he'd say, "I've got some." notes on this scene. I think this part's really repetitive. I think we can get a joke here. I think this is unclear and this is established another scene. I think we can cut this. So he had all these ideas about the scene. So it was also, uh, I'm much less experienced as a film actor compared to Dave. Right. Uh, so it was a real bit of a tour of learning how, because Dave's also a screenwriter, you know, he can do that sort of thing as well. He has that skill set, which is something I don't quite have. Yeah. But I learned a lot from him. Mm. Uh, being on the road, just the way his mind would work as an actor and screenwriter overlapping and working on a scene. So we would rework scenes pretty liberally sure. along the road uh, just to make certain that they moved, they flowed, they told the story, but everything sort of popped on a character level and that the exposition was woven in easily uh, and that we could get jokes out of as much of it as we could and still have heart. We now, were it. you working with scattered out locations, or did you sort of discover them as you went? Or, or? It was coordinated with the 48-hour film project, the 48-hour right. film challenge, yeah. which um, has, along all these cities, uh, we partnered with the winners of 48-hour film challenges in all these different locations. Interesting. So we would go to Greensboro, North Carolina, and there's a team there that won uh, the Greensboro, North Carolina, 48-hour film challenge. And they would pitch in? And, and they would sort of be the team. We would have coordinated with them ahead of time, and we had the, the script mapped out for where these characters were in their journey. And those that team, the local team, would get that part of the script, and it would say, we need a restaurant, we need this many extras, wow. we need this, wow. well, this is how many pages we need to shoot, this is what time we can arrive, this is how much time we have in your city, and then we got to go. Wow. And they would basically try, you know, pull their weight, more or less. And some teams were fantastic and some teams weren't as strong yeah. but across the board we had local support so it was pretty exciting yeah um, and cool. the, the goal also is that along when this thing is completed that maybe next year we'll go on a little film tour and we'll do little viewings in all these locations yeah. Yeah. where they were shot that's, that's yeah. a great that's right. idea Raise some cool. buzz for yeah. the film and show yeah. people what they pitched into because I think most of them didn't see the whole script so they, they only, only have their saw piece their, their so then they'll see the whole movie and see how their piece fit into it so I think that'll be pretty exciting <laughs> why don't you guys talk a little bit about um, uh, the reawakening trilogy, the trilogy and, and that, I mean it sounds like a fascinating role also known as the shadow ops prequel right mm -hmm. right yeah because some people might have listened to the trilogy that we called shadow ops uh, same author Mike Cole 
who's a fascinating who's an guy. Amazing, yeah, if you're, if yeah. You're, he, I, well, he has an all-in-your-mind. make a story mind. about him. But he's got, he has an all-in-your-mind episode of his own. He does. So if yeah. you want to listen so to all-in-your-mind all all and, and, uh, and a behind-the-mic. And a behind-the-mic, yeah. So there's plenty yeah. of them. And probably do another one. Yeah. Uh, when we do the third book, which will be coming up, uh, I think the third book should come out at least online in December of this year. It's called uh, Siege Line. Um, and... Nick will be back. Still featured prominently. Yes, still featured prominently <laughs> um, as uh, Jim Schweitzer. Um, but yeah, it, it, the reason why I thought of Nick for the role, to be honest, is I always like to try to cast people that I feel have a uh, a liking for the genre. Mm. And, you know, I've talked with Nick enough to know that he, I mean, he's very eclectic. You know, he's, we actually, geek. I've actually run into, I've actually run into him in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, that's cool. Sat with yeah, him and his yeah. wife. You know, watch movie. But um, uh, you know, he 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 likes uh, sci-fi and yeah, yeah. macabre type stuff. Mm. And you know, this is sort of a. It's it, both. It's both. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, he, you know, to my knowledge, Nick doesn't have a military background. No. But there is a certain preciseness to Nick. Oh, yeah. Just in the way that he kind of governs himself and everything. And so I thought, well, that kind of precision in, that's part of his personality should work well. Um, and I also know that Nick doesn't mind kind of messing with his voice. No, you know, not at changing all. his, <laughs> you know. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I knew, yeah. I mean, and it was, it, I didn't quite know how it was going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, with this guy is he's alive, but then he's like sort of reanimated dead. His soul's intact, but he literally is a reanimated corpse. Yeah. So the way his voice box works isn't by inhaling and exhaling air. He has to consciously force air, through force his, air through his yeah. dead lungs. You know, because he doesn't breathe anymore. Right, because yeah. he doesn't breathe anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, so I needed somebody who could kind of work that out and help me create that sound and Nick was very willing to do Think that came in very prepared had yeah. thought about it um, but then that, so that that was the first book but then in the second book uh, he does a lot of talking in his reanimated form mm. in the first book a lot of his talking was in his mind right. because he was sharing his mind with another character and they did a lot of conversation mm. and actually the conversing between the two of them happened more than any other yeah. interaction in the book. storytelling. So that. Nick was using his own right. voice. And that's what you unaltered. hear in the first clip on the first book. Right, right, right. But in the second book, he is speaking as the reanimated corpse. And I was a little concerned how we were going to do it because it could be a little bit like, you know, giving Boris Karloff's Frankenstein a monologue. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It, First of all, it's going to be excruciatingly paced, paced, and <laughs> boring very quickly. You know, you got to be careful which, of which those Which are staggering. two other qualities that you think of when you think of <laughs> is paced and excruciatingly right. boring. <laughs> well, you're just talking about the the, the, the technical aspect right. of physically right. yeah. but, playing but, but, the but, fact that this guy doesn't talk right. easily. Yes, right. But Nick gave me this guttural. Right. Quality. You heard a little bit of it. On and the, I remember, I remember saying to you, you know, when you you, you demoed the voice for yeah. me, and I said, "Oh, I like that. I think that'll work." But can you sustain that? Yeah. Is that going to hurt you? Because I always have to, you know, the actors who work for us are professional actors who are always doing other gigs, mm-hmm. and I don't want to trash anybody's voice if they got right. a show to do that night. Yeah. Right. You know, or the for that rest of that week. Yeah. And Nick assured me, yes, I can sustain yeah. it, and we did. 
Uh, so I was very pleased with it. One of the things that I always enjoy when Nick comes in is that it, increasingly, every time he comes in, even more, he comes in with ideas and he's right. ready to play. Absolutely. And he's, he's thought things through really, really well. So you don't have to do a lot of explaining to, to Nick about what's going on. He's right. on board from the get-go, and usually what he comes in with is choices for you, with, yep. which is like director's heaven. But I, what I was going to ask was approaching that role. What I mean, did, how did you? How were you thinking about the character when you came to it? Uh, the the it's interesting you say, say precision because he, he seemed like as a because of his military expertise mm. he seemed like a guy that had a great deal of precision but a tremendous amount of will mm -hmm. so he was kind of like yes. a really focused bulldog in a way mm -hmm. and uh, uh, a lot of sort of just power to his personality, a lot of a lot of forward power in, in, in his mind and in his heart, and you couple that with the fact that he had this tremendous love for his his wife and his child, yeah. um, which is sort of what gives him the power to, mm -hmm. to sort of overcome the difficulty of being one of these undead people who shares his body with this genie demon sort of identity that that sort of he has to fight through. Uh, so to me, it was really important that he was he was very willful. And yet, the will was not born out of ego, but out of heart. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and you see this with a lot of uh, a lot of my members of my family are in the armed forces. And there's a lot of folks that I know in the armed forces that are very strong-willed individuals. But they're strong-willed because they care. And they're committed. They're committed. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is a guy who literally wills himself over. A thousand-year-old demon. He outwills a demon. Mm -hmm. He wills himself sort of back from the dead in a way. He's he's conjured back, but he has to sort of choose to do it and fight his way back to a certain degree. And then he ends up having a lot of hardship, both with the, the that whole supernatural experience and then being in this body, learning how to speak, learning how to move, mm -hmm. and the psychological horror of realizing what he is. Because before the moment he becomes this zombie thing, there's nothing in his world that can really prepare him for this. Right. So he has to be a very tough-minded individual. Um, so all that was sort of, I think, was the starting gate. You had to yeah. like understand that stuff, yeah. I think. And, uh, and then after that, it was, it was about trying to actualize vocally these interesting physical challenges that a human being would go through. Mm. And I actually really liked the voice stuff in the first book especially yeah. because um, the, the challenge of forcing your lungs to move air across your, your voice and sort of imagining and pretending your, your own voice box was dead matter right. and was having air forced across it in order to recreate speech made the speech stunted and somewhat monotone and very labored. Yeah. And suddenly you start sounding like a sort of stereotypical zombie. Right. And it becomes, but instead of like mocking a zombie or parodying what we think of as a zombie, it's coming from this place of a very sincere attempt to make vocal connection with mm -hmm. another human being or whatever. And uh, I thought that was just great. When that, and you're treading a, a, a balancing act of, uh, of how expressive you can make yourself to communicate yeah. the emotions. Yeah, that, that was the... That was the second story. That yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that was, the, that was the back and forth between, you know, because I didn't quite know how it was all going to work out in audio. You know, when people write, 
Yeah, they, they, they don't write for audio. They're they, not they, thinking. They don't have to. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when I saw that Mike Cole had given uh, Nick all, uh, yeah. the, the character all of this, these things to say as this reanimated course, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them were really passionate, like husband-wife discussions about the child's well-being, yeah, you know? Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, and, so, you know, so, yeah, because we couldn't, we couldn't be up. It, couldn't be monotone. It couldn't be uh, flat affect. You know, yeah, you, you had couldn't to... wait half an hour to get it out. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so in the sense, I mean, there is a suspension of disbelief in the sense that, uh, and hopefully people will accept that he would be able to communicate. He got better at it. That yeah. he got better at it. Yes, yeah, that he with practice right. he got better. It got smoother. It got more. And I think, and there, there's a point in the story too where he. You know, we sort of mentioned before for folks who haven't he heard the story yet, and I encourage you to because it's a really exciting story. But uh, Schweitzer is inhabiting his soul is inhabiting his own body, his own corpse, but sharing it in the first story with this this uh, other soul, Nanip. Nanip, that is uh, a, a previously deceased soul that has sort of uh, is that is Andy Clements or is that Chris Walker? No, that was yeah, that was and that was Andy Brownstein. Oh, Andy Brownstein. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Brownstein. Yeah. But uh, but is a very ferocious soul, and very sort of dominant, domineering. Powerful, yeah, we think he's like an ancient Sumerian king, like prince. yeah, war king sort of yeah. guy. So, so so very very willful, and has been dead for a longer period of time, and you know knows what it is to be dead. And so he, um, Schweitzer, at one point sort of takes control of and vanishes sort of Nanip from his, from his body and gets full control of his body. And at that point, I thought he's got more agency with his physical form than he mm -hmm. had before. Right. And it, and it made sense to me, too, that since he's the only one of the... A uh, little bit of a spoiler alert here. There are some other zombies in the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but most... I think none of the others that we've met yet have been able to override their... Their their Nanip character. Yeah, he's he's the only fully self-willed, yeah. dominant. Uh, yeah, and I figured, once and no one knows how he was able to do it. Yeah, but, but I think it comes out to like you were saying about his incredibly strong will and the fact that he had something that he cared for so strongly, his wife and child. Yeah, that he was able to. Now, are all the all the reanimated are they all warriors? Are they all? Um... Yes, for the, because well yeah. yeah because the in the void, which is where the dead people are reclaimed from by the sorcerers that bring mm -hmm. them back to inhabit these corpse bodies who are in our time, um, the ones that are able to heed the call and the, only the strongest can kind of be pulled through the void. And those always end up being like these warriors, they're, very strong-willed. Yeah. And, and I mean psychotically strong-willed, like dangerously, right, like, terrifyingly right. strong-willed. And, 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 and all of the other reanimated corpses don't have the willpower of James Schweitzer, and so ultimately their minds get overtaken. Okay. And, and, you know, and they become irrational mm -hmm. and violent and ultimately, you know, not as useful. Most uh, of those human souls or human minds get sort of vanquished or overtaken by these, yeah, yeah. these, these yeah. other spirits. So just so, I, just so if people are looking for these books, the first book uh, of the uh, Reawakening trilogy is Gemini Cell. Mm -hmm. The second book is Javelin Rain. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, uh, Siege Line will be coming out in December. Siege. Yeah, yeah. So definitely check them and out. you can get them all at www.rapidaudio.net. That's right. <laughs> You've just listened to part one of the All in Your Mind podcast with graphic audio veteran actor Nick DePinto. Make sure you listen to part two of the interview, which will be released next week. In the second part, Nick will talk about the rock bands he has been in, and the conversation swerves to, yes, you guessed it, comic books.
If you want to listen to the productions that Nick has partaken in, or any of our productions, please visit us at www.graphicaudio.net. Also, if you want to sample what the Graphic Audio experience is all about, please subscribe to our new podcast, Graphic Audio Story Podcast, or GASP, where we will bring you all new original content in serialized format, as well as standalone stories. Thanks for listening to All In Your Mind. Peace. All in your mind.